Hey, how you doing? Kirk here with another episode of Delarius. And this time around, we've got Marty Donovan. Now, if I could compare Marty to an animal, I think I'd say he's a golden retriever puppy. The dude is just one of the happiest, most joyful bastards you'd ever want to meet. So this is a really fun conversation. I've known Marty since he was a wee lad growing up in the very, very small town of Bethel, Maine, population 2,600. And now he's made his way out into the glitz and glam of La La Land out in Hollywood, where he is a screenwriter. And he's worked on a number of different shows out there. Prince of Peoria for Netflix. Uh, Garner's Guide to pretty much everything on Disney. Uh, Kicking It on Disney and Farm. Wizards of Waverly Place. So lots of great shows uh, on his resume as a creative writer uh, and production assistant. And, um, And actually, as you might imagine, when COVID hit... It also hit uh, the Hollywood industry as well because folks couldn't get together to uh, to tape, to record shows. And so this is really interesting. Marty and his two housemates out in L.A. started recording hilarious renditions of classic movie scenes and they started posting them on Instagram. Their page is Safer at Home Movies. I definitely recommend you check it out. You will laugh your head off. Uh, Flicks like Karate Kid, The Sound of Music, Zoolander, Lord of the Rings, so many more. Uh, My favorite might be Karate Kid and Jurassic Park. Um, But they record these little uh, scenes from their backyard or inside their their house, uh, and they set it to the soundtrack of the the classic movie it is hysterical so it's a must see safer at home movies on instagram so anyway this is a super fun and light conversation uh, i found it fascinating to hear about marty's journey to hollywood and what it's like to be a comedy writer which is also one of my dreams one of my fantasies uh, if you're in need of a smile a laugh some inspiration to follow your dreams and to live large. Marty is definitely your guy. I hope you enjoy this. Um, Also, stick around at the end for another creature feature. Now, since Marty grew up in the Maine mountains, in the forests of Maine, I thought what could be better than to feature an animal that is at home in the Maine woods. So I wonder if you know what it is, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. So catch me at the end for another creature feature. But until then, hope you really enjoy this super fun conversation with Marty Donovan. Big D. Whoa, Marty. We did it, man. We did it. What's happening? Oh, my gosh. How you doing? <laughs> it's been a long time. I don't, I don't think I've seen you in years. I mean... Like 12, 13 years, honestly. I don't know when the last time I saw you was. Yeah, seriously. It's been it's been a while. Are you too long. Too it's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> Way too long. Way too long. I've i I've I've seen you, of course, because I'm been binge watching your safer at home videos. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Glad you're liking them. As a matter of fact, I was just binge watching a few in the last hour, and I just came across the Jurassic Park one, which knocked me on my oh, ass. I was so I was dude, laughing. I think that's so my favorite. Is that that one's your favorite? I think so. People that we like a lot of people ask me that, and it's tough because I'm like, I don't know, man. There are so many at this point; it's hard to choose. And I think I would say the Jurassic Park one's my favorite, just because it was the biggest jump. Like before, I was like, oh, it's funny. They're kind of like dubbing the lines, and then we were like, what if? <laughs> you made it dinosaur. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I was like going from from black and white film to color yeah. film. You know, it was like, whoa, this is a massive leap. Well, I was waiting for it, you know, and I was like, okay, is there <laughs> going to be a dinosaur that's coming here? Yeah, and and then it happened. <laughs> yeah, that was. We also we did like my roommate Chris and I. We had to do because I I didn't know if we could do it, and I was like, let's do some test footage. So somewhere on my phone, there's footage of Chris and I, not in costume, but bent over like <laughs> like a horse walking around with the green screen. 
Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. <clears throat> yeah. Wait, so are you in California right now? Are you in LA? Or are you? I thought you were living in Falmouth. No, so I'm in uh, Los Angeles right now. Yeah. And I normally live in LA. I've been yeah. here since I graduated uh, college. Tufts, go Jumbos. Go Jumbos. Thanks to you. Oh, we got to um, talk about that. I can't wait to talk about that. I got some stuff. <laughs> and then, yeah, I moved out right after I graduated. Have been here, but with the, with like the COVID of it all and everyone working from home and everyone being remote, I actually went back this summer and was there in Maine for three months. Oh, you were it was awesome! Wait, yeah, I was staying with with Finn in like oh, okay. South Portland. All right, yeah. So, um, actually, I see Finn every once in a while because he has an office in the same place that I do. So. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, my daughter, my daughter Maddie was going to work for him last summer, but then COVID hit. COVID of it all. COVID of it all, you know? Uh, that's, wow, that's wild. Yeah, I know, I know. So I see, the, I see the Donovan face every once in a while. I'm like, oh, that's a Donovan right there. Yeah, there he is. Ah, yeah, yeah. We look alike. We all look alike, which you is all good. Look alike. Makes it easy. People are like, oh, so you're a Donovan. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Wait, so, okay, so you're living out in L.A. with, with your two housemates, right? These are, the, these are the guys that you're making these, these yes. movies with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are um, Dan and Chris, and I live with them. We actually have another roommate, which is, people are always shocked because they're, they're like, he's not in the video, so do you guys show yeah. him? And we're like, no. <laughs> what happened was he has a girlfriend, and he was quarantining with her when this all started so you know he's got like love and everything but he really missed out on dressing up as a woman and shooting oh my god the gender bending now but you couldn't let him in i mean it's been going on for a while you couldn't let him in after the fact to join the party you know once we started we were like it's a three-man production (laughs) in-house we do it all three man and we're like our audience it would be too jarring they'd be like who's this guy yeah who's this rando I got to say, I'm try- I was trying to figure out who my best Marty character has been. I think oh, it comes man. down to, it, it comes down to either Danny Zuko or Mr. Miyagi, I think. Oh, nice. Wow. So the last two weeks have been real. That's oh, like, yeah. Yeah. You've, we've been hitting the mark for you. You've been hit- <laughs> yeah, you have. The Miyagi is just, I mean, you just, you just nailed it. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, there. it is funny. Like, that was one where, like, it's all fun. And it's, you know, we're like, yeah, we're, let's just have fun with it. But you get some roles and you're like, uh, we got to do this service. Like, this is Mr. Miyagi. Like, you know, there's like a little, there's some nerves sometimes of like, I want to do it well, though, you know? Yeah, well. So that was what, definitely one. Were you, so did you do Karate Kid because of the whole Cobra Kai phenomenon? Which, by the way, I have been obsessed with. Same. That was definitely a factor. We started watching it four weeks ago, and we, as we were watching, we were like, "Oh, we should probably do Karate Kid. We need to. We need to look into that." Cobra Kai. Awesome. So, can we talk about Cobra Kai for a second? Because Adrian was like, "Why the hell do you like this show?" Because it was just like all she. She only saw like all the teen drama. But I'm yeah. like, I just love the freaking Johnny Lawrence character. I love him. Oh, I'm just like, so good. I'm rooting for him so bad. <laughs> He's so bad. He's like, everything he can do wrong, he does do wrong. And yet you still love him somehow. They did a great job. He's a great. Great. Well, and I mean, just both he and um, Danny LaRusso, they're just funny as shit. Like, like yeah. the jokes that they make. Yeah. And the show does such a good job. It like knows what it is where they're like, we're going to, we're going to do some cheesy eighties music here and we're going to lean into the nostalgia. And you're just like, yeah, that's why we're here. Yeah. I love it. I love every minute of it. I can't wait till season three. I know. Wait, January, I think. January. Yeah. All right. So tell me, tell me how you started this whole, this whole uh, safer at home video phenomenon movement, by the way, also (laughs) after this podcast, your followership is going to blow up. So. Yeah, I can't wait. This is the boost we needed, man. This is going to be huge. Exactly. Press. This is press. <laughs> how did, how did, what was the origin story of this? And how did you decide to, to do this and, and uh, keep it Yeah. Going? We, um, so it was that first, I mean, what was it? Like March 16th is kind of, it was so quick, but the world 
fully came to a screeching halt and we were like, okay, we're quarantined. And the weekend after that, you know, during the week, it's like, okay, everyone's trying to work from home and, you know, figure out how to do that. And the weekend came and we we're like, well, what do we do on the weekends if we can't go to barbecues and see our friends? And so me and my two roommates were here and we were like, oh, let's shoot a video. Like, why not? And we had, you know, we didn't know what we wanted to shoot or anything. And there were a couple ideas of like, oh, we could do this. We could do one of those, uh, the ping pong ball going around, you know, like, oh, we should make one of those. Why not? And then we looked out and saw we had an ERG machine, which I honestly don't even know where it came from. We just have had it forever. No one uses it. Yeah, no one uses it ever. It just collects <laughs> dust. And we were like, what if we remade the notebook scene, but instead of a rowboat, oh, it's yeah. a, rowing, a rowing machine. And we were like, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a fun thing that we do once, you know, just this weekend. And we did it. And we were like, yeah, I think this is funny. And it was one of those things where I was cutting it together. And as I was editing it, I was like, oh, no, this is pretty funny. This is like <laughs> got funnier as it got cut together. But even still, we were like, all right, let's put it on Instagram and put it on Instagram, having no idea if people are going to be like, you guys have lost your minds. Like, this is insane. And then people seemed to like it. So we were like, oh, OK. Um, and then we did really, though, we were we were thinking we'll do one and then kind of you know, it'll be fun. And next week, maybe we'll do a different one, like a different kind of video. And then next week came, we didn't have any other ideas. And we we're like, well, we could do Top Gun. Oh, so we yeah, just did that. Gun. And then once we did that, it kind of felt like a social contract was made with people <laughs> where they're like, can't wait for next week. And we're like, oh, we're in it now. <laughs> we got to keep making them. We've signed a deal with the devil. Um, yeah, but it was great. Yeah, we, we really, it was it was great to just like have something to do too, of to break up the week as well. Cause we, you know, everything kind of blended together and you get so bored and then to be like, okay, on Saturday we shoot a movie scene and we you know we'd be like, we'd be deciding on Thursday and Friday, Saturday we'd shoot and then edit Sunday. Okay. Hold on though. You, you decide on the movie on Thursday or Friday. Yes. But but you all know your parts so freaking well. You, you, you nail that shit in two days? Yeah, I mean, it's the deciding, honestly, is the hardest part. Like, that gets pushed and pushed to the last minute because we're like, oh, man, we could do this. I like this element of this scene, but this one has more dialogue, which is always good. And this one has better music in the background. So the deciding really has always been the hardest part. And early on, it was like, well, we're only going to, you know, be in quarantine for six weeks so we got to pick and choose which movies we're going to recreate mm. and then we had a realization of like oh no we're going to be making these for a long time so let's just you know we can just pick one and, and go with it and if we don't we'll do the other one next week how do you decide um, how do you decide what to what to choose we everyone kind of me and chris and dan we all come to the table with a couple and we're like i was looking at this scene i was looking at that one and then we kind of just it's very uh, democratic. You know, we're all like, we rank them a lot. Like, okay, these are my top three. You know, Karate Kid, Grease, and E.T. And then Chris will be like, okay, mine was E.T., Grease, Karate Kid. You know, we have different rankings and then kind of be like, okay, well, if that's your two and our ones, let's go with that. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's interesting the scenes you pick too, because, right, it's not, it's not like necessarily the, you know, the, mo the most action- packed or the most well-known <laughs> scene but they're like these little random scenes yeah. with like just like the emotion behind the looks on the face like the you know the lord of the rings one yeah right. phenomenal <laughs> jumping on the bed part of that is kind of our formula for picking is one i think personally the biggest thing is the music in the background yeah because like that score and everything makes it more cinematic which then contrast how uncinematic three guys in their backyard <laughs> is so that always really helps and then part of it is uh just restraints of you know we're like well we can't do the battle of helm's deep for lord yeah. of the rings because that would take four weeks for us and then another part is um just yeah kind of whatever jumps out as people we like to like kind of keep people guessing too like with the dirty dancing one everyone was like do the last yeah the dirty dancing scene we're like ah, we feel like that's been done 
Like we wanted, you know, and we were like, ooh, Hungry Eyes, haven't seen as much <laughs> and really good music. So let's, you know, let's pump fake and then go this way with the other, with the other scene. I love it. So uh, and, are your friends also in the sort of Hollywood world along with you? Yeah, so um, Dan and Chris are brothers. Oh, they're brothers? Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. No way. Yeah, they're brothers. They're from Maine, too. Get out. Jeez, um, where about yeah. club? They're from York, so they're Southerners. Yep. Um, but still Maine. Still Maine. Still Maine. Still Maine. Of course. And they, that was actually a big factor when we, because as I said, I was back in Maine for three months this summer. And we kind of, as we were talking about it, they were like, well, we might go back to Maine too. And all of us were, were saying the most important thing is continuing to do the videos. <laughs> so we were, we were like, okay, we'll make it work. Cause I was in South Portland with my brother and they were at their parents' place in York. So it's a 45 minute drive. So once a week I would go down to York and we'd shoot another one. So all the, when the, the like set changed of that yeah yeah you know you're like i think the first one we did was almost famous back at their place oh i haven't seen that one yeah and so there those a lot of them are shot at um chris and dan's childhood home in maine cool and now we're back so we kind of sandwiched it we did la (laughs) location safe ride at home movie satellite uh set in maine and then back to the uh to the home set cool well yeah that's interesting. You guys are all are all Mainers, then all went to Hollywood. I want to I want to talk about that story. Mm-hmm. I want to hear I want to hear more about your your journey to Hollywood from <laughs> Tufts, right? So okay, you go to you. Gr- I mean, first of all, we got to talk about growing up in a tiny small town of Bethel, as you know, Maine's most beautiful mountain village, self-proclaimed. Right, <laughs> as the youngest of of four precocious boys. And, <laughs> So t- I, tell me more about that first, because I, I met you when you were probably, you know, 13 or something like that, a freshman yeah. in high school. And, you know, you were, and I'll, I'll read a little bit of the, of the recommendation I wrote for you, Marty, but. Ooh, wow. Okay, what a treat. Comes, hold on a second. Here comes my, here comes my co-host. She'll have to come. Oh, cameo. Cameo co-host appearance. <laughs> yeah, I got She's Marty. flying in. Oh, Marty! Hey! hey, hey. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I wow! Did, I forgot to mention how cute he was. Oh. Uh, you know, trying to hold on, trying to stay as cute as I can be. <laughs> just have such great energy. I can even just feel it through the through the computer here. Yeah, we're vibing right now. We're, I mean, we're, yeah, we're well, vibing. I don't want to get in the way of the vibe. But... Oh, no, wait, wait. wait you're, you're adding. You're, 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 you're additive. You're, you're adding to the vibe. Host. What's your question? You got a question for Marty? I all, I was literally just getting to growing up in Bethel as the youngest of four boys on the Gould campus. Yeah. What's your What's your question about that? Oh, the one yeah. I was telling you that I wanted to know. Well, first, I mean that. Okay, but we. I want to talk about what was Is it this, like. Am I really on this podcast? Because I'm not prepared <laughs> for this. <laughs> um, I, I think that we're in it. The whole, I think the uh, the the thing about the podcast is you just you just shoot the shit and whatever comes out is okay. what it is. That's well, what people want too, though, right? They want, That's what you, you want. know, just the casual. They want to feel like they're sitting in the room. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right. What's your question? Well, my question I was saying to Kirk, the, the burning question I have is you grew up in this quaint New England town of Bethel. Maine's most beautiful mountain village. Yep. With these... Um, <laughs> you know, with this amazing family, um, mm-hmm. I really, I think you guys just really seemed to grasp, have firm values around, around family, around the simple things in life. Mm-hmm. And now you're out there in this, in this <laughs> the shark tank of Hollywood. And like, I don't know, how do you, how do you, you know, maintain yeah. your values that you grew up with and to the person that you are and, in a landscape where things are dramatically different. Okay, first of all, I'm going to say that's the deepest question that has ever been asked on this podcast. So, Marty. Adrian only brings the hard-hitting questions that everyone else is afraid <laughs> to ask. Comes in with the zingers. Um, but no, it's a great question because I obviously 
even out here, you know, you say, uh, people are like, oh, where are you from? And I'm, I say, I'm from Maine. And people go, really? And I'm like, yeah, it's like as far from LA as you can get geographically, but they don't even know the full extent of it, you know, because they think Portland or a larger part of Maine. I'm like, oh no, like I'm from, we had one stoplight. There was my small college was twice the population of Bethel. Like it was a very small town. Um, but to your question, Adrian, I think, you know, it's tough. I think you just find your people out here because it's such a big city and everyone's a transplant or not everyone, but most, a lot of the city are people coming from all over. So I was saying to Kirk, the two guys I live with, they're from Maine too. They're from York. Um, And when I first moved out here, uh, I had an internship on a show and one of the PAs on the show was from Maine. And he Facebook messaged me and said, hey, good to have another 207 guy out here. And I ended up living with him for three years. And so you just kind of find your people. And then uh, there, you know, and there's there, there are definitely sharks. And there are definitely, you know, people that you're like, oh, man, you are very entertainment industry and very sceney and name droppy. But you just kind of, you know, you navigate them and you say, all right, well that's fine. I don't, we don't need to hang out that much and I'll be with these people. Yeah. And they, seem to, they seem to keep you grounded. I watch all of your videos. We were talking. Yeah. <laughs> we do a good job of keeping each other grounded, I think. And sane through all this. I can't tell if the videos have made us more sane or more insane. <laughs> it made us crazier, but, but they've been fun. So that's all that matters. I love the, uh, the blooper reels at the end. Yeah, that one was actually, that started, we did the notebook first, and that one, the notebook we did, because we thought we were only going to do one, we were like, it's a little more uh, jokey where, you know, Chris has the hose and he sprays it on my head, and I was like, yeah, turn it to jet when it cuts <laughs> back to me, so it's like pounding down, and then originally we were, we were like, oh, let's have Chris in that shot spraying us, and then we didn't, because we were like, oh, it's actually looking pretty good. So we were like, oh, we'll just throw it on the end as a like blooper kind of thing. And then it just kind of became formula for us. We we're like, okay, that's, we always have to end with a blooper. I think most people, that's their favorite part. Too. Yeah, cool. I've got friends who are like, oh, I skip ahead to the blooper first. And then I watch the blooper. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So, but it's, right. it's funny too, because sometimes we have an abundance of bloopers that we could use. I'm sure. So I'll be like, I don't know, we could go with this one or we could go with this one. And, and then sometimes we're just flying through and I'm like, guys, we nailed this. I don't know. There's not too many bloopers for us to pick from here. Um, all right. So, okay. Basically like you're, I'm, I'm so living, living vicariously through you because I so in, in another life want to be an entertainer. And, mm. and I feel like you've all, since, since you've been, a wee lad, Marty, you've always been like somewhat of a performer, right? Like this yeah. charismatic. So have you always wanted to be in the entertainment industry or did you kind of, did you find that when you were at Tufts in some of your extracurricular activities? Mm. Yeah, I think, well, to your point, definitely, even when I was really young, I think being the youngest of four is a yeah. big part of it where you got to, be like, hey, look at me, or you're not going to get any <laughs> attention. And I love attention. So I was very, hey, look at me. Um, I think being a faculty brat really helped too, because I was always surrounded by these high school kids who were like, oh, look at this little kid. And and just had more access of, you know, like uh, Doug Alford, I would be in the musicals if they needed a kid in the spring when musical. you were little you're saying yeah yeah when I, I remember i was in they did one and i i think i was in fourth grade and i was in it and then they brought the whole crescent park school there and i was you know strutting around crescent park for a week being like <laughs> yeah i'm in the high school musical it's not that big a deal or anything and then they did bye bye birdie and um the main character has a little brother so i was him when i was in fifth grade i think the next year and then when I was in sixth grade, they did Oliver Twist, and I was Oliver. Oh, wow. Yeah, which, so every day after school, I would go to Gould Spring Musical Rehearsals and was with all these high schoolers, and I was like, this is amazing. This is so fun. This is, yeah. like, this is great. 
So that definitely helped. Um, and I think I just really enjoyed TV and movies growing up too, which I didn't realize. I thought kind of everyone did, but I have a weird, you know, I used to watch multi-camp sitcoms from like Three's Company. Oh man, and, I love Three's Company. Yeah. And I thought everyone did that. And I was like, yeah, I like Three's Company. And they'd be like, what? Yeah, and I'd be like, later. oh, you don't watch this multi-camp sitcom from the 70s? I don't even know. I didn't know what you were talking about, multi-cam sitcom, but. Yeah. So that's like all shot on a stage with different, you know, four cameras shooting at once. So Friends is a multi-cam. How I Met Your Mother is a multi-cam. And it's kind of a delineation out here of um, different shows. You know, some are single cam, like New Girl, single cam, Barry, single cam. And it goes, it's weird. It goes back and forth of what's popular never seen any of those single cam ones you're mentioning but yeah we live well, in Maine, but we don't get that much TV we're not getting here. new girl up here we're not getting no new girl <laughs> <laughs> so all right so well then at tufts you really got into some activities like i saw you hosted a talk show yeah Wait, right. adrian just my co-host adrian just writes on a note card <laughs> Can I eat lunch? I'm so hungry. <laughs> lunch is very important. That's this is top priority. We'll you don't get back mind to. If I step away, do you? No, 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 no. As long as it, as long as you're not blending anything. No, I won't. <laughs> and just don't eat it too close to the microphone yeah. either. Yeah. You don't want the crunch <laughs> of the cucumber as you. I was like, Adrian, oh man, we got like you'd be such a great co-host. You know, we got to go with. We'll have some banter. You know, back and forth. I get one question and then it's, can I eat lunch? <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> lunch is important. You got it. It's, you know, healthy, healthy, you need the oh. lunch. So wait, all right. You, you, you ran, you ran a talk show at Tufts. Um, yeah. On the radio. On the radio. Did you, and did you interview celebrities? No, 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 no. It was, yeah, it was interesting. I kind of, I don't know how that started, but my friend Adam and I, uh, there was the, the Tufts radio. Yeah, you could, so if you volunteered enough at the radio station, you got your own slot and they were very open. You could do whatever you wanted. So my friend Adam and I were like, let's do a talk show. And we were like, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be like a late night talk show. But our slot was 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. <laughs> we were like the bottom of the totem pole. So we were like, oh man, we were getting the, the worst slot. So we were like, okay, we can work with this. And we would wake up at 7.30 and walk down to the radio station. And it wasn't, we would interview not celebrities, but like celebrity campus, you know, campus celebrity. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Where the field hockey team would go into, was going to the NCAAs and our friend Taylor came on. Or it was around exams and we got somebody from the uh, Academic Skills Center at Tufts to talk about study tips and things like that. I gotcha. um, It was fun. That's... That could that for a college student Sunday eight a.m. is literally the worst slot you can get out of any of the seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. Oh, it's terrible. We called it, and this is before the movie came out. We called it the Hangover. Oh no way! Yeah, the Hangover <laughs> with Marty and Adam, and we would our friends would like wake up, set their alarm, wake up, and then have it as they lied in bed and listen to Adam and I gabbing. That's awesome. Wait, so then, okay, you're so at Tufts then, is that when you decided when you were sort of graduating, were you looking for opportunities in LA, in Hollywood? Did you know, like, I want to be in the Hollywood scene? Like, how did you, how did that decision come about? Yeah, it was interesting. I didn't really know uh, when I went to Tufts freshman year, I was undeclared major and had no idea what I really wanted to do. I'd always liked the idea of entertainment but it was pretty daunting and pretty I was like I don't know if that is if I can cut it um and move to LA and everything but as I was at Tufts I went through a couple different you know I thought it was going to be a psychology major I thought it was going to be an econ major I thought it was going to be a political science major and then eventually I was like I really like the English courses those are my favorite um so small picture I think I'll just be an English major and I did that and uh, kind of skewed my schedule. So it was all creative writing um, and as mm-hmm. few analytical um, classes as possible. 
And then I took this one class called Making Movies, which is very hands-on, practical. You would rent cameras from this one building and shoot short films and show them with your classmates. Um, and that was great. That was really fun. And through that, I met this guy, uh, Clay, my buddy, Clay Grable. And he was part of a uh, sketch comedy group at Tufts. And he was like, hey, you should audition for the sketch comedy group as an actor and a writer. And this was my junior year. So I did it at the end of my junior year and then was part of, it's called the Institute. The, Institute. the Institute. Yeah, <laughs> the Institute. <laughs> so I did that all senior year and um, it was great. It was so fun and I really yeah. liked it. And I think I, in my head, I was like, okay, let's give it a shot and let's, I'm going to move to LA. I think my senior year, I decided I was going to move to LA after I graduated. And if it didn't work out, it didn't work out, but why, you know, what better time to kind of go for it. But did you, when you went out there, were you, were your, was your dream to act or was it to write? I think it will, I didn't really know, to be honest. I was like, I want to get a job in doing whatever and see what's what. And I had heard acting was such a rat race and so crazy that I was like, I don't know about that. That sounds pretty high risk, low reward. Um, but I'd always, and with writing with English, I was kind of like, I could write. That would, I think that would be fun. Um, which is also, it's not like writing is so much more secure <laughs> than acting, yeah. but um, so I, was, I thought I wanted to write. And then I got out there and I actually, my senior spring, I got an internship on a Disney Channel show. Yep. Which one and was that? It was called Ant Farm. Oh yeah, Ant Farm. Okay. And so I went out and I did the internship and that was great because I kind of sampled everything. You know, one day they'd have me with props. One day I sat in with editing. Um, I was with production a lot. That was kind of like my main hub. But a couple times, two times I sat in on the writer's room and I was like, oh, this is this is what I would like to do. I think this looks like the most fun and the most collaborative and you're sitting around a table telling jokes. Yeah. So this is, I am so intrigued by the writer's room. I just have (laughs) these fantasies about writing, like writing comedy, being in the writer's room. Like what's the, (laughs) tell me, give me everything. What's the, what's it like? it's, It's a lot of what people expect and like what they, it's as advertised, I would say of you're sitting around the room. There's a lot of snacks flying around, always snacks, chip bags and Oreos and everything. Um, Every once in a while, there's late nights. We'll have to order dinner and stay late. But you're really, you're just kind of riffing off one another. And, you know, there's different writer's room etiquette too. Of You don't interrupt people. And they're all like unwritten rules too. You don't interrupt people. You don't finish someone's pitch. Uh, you don't try to, you know, predict it and be like, oh, and then they do this. And it's like, well, you're kind of taking the wind out of my sails here, bud. Um, but it's fun. Sense. It's it's great. If you're with good people, it's hard not to enjoy it because you're just kind of brainstorming uh, all can together. Can only imagine. So do you go in, like, are you, you have, is there sort of a theme of an episode in mind and then you go in with some ideas ahead of time? Or, and like, how does that sort of organically happen in the room? Yeah, it's, um, so it's all based on the showrunner, who is the head writer, mm-hmm. and normally the creator of the show. Um, and they are the boss. And in TV, they're kind of the boss overall, where the even the line producer, who's kind of like managing the budget, they kind of talk to the showrunner. If wardrobe has a question about what a character should be wearing, they talk to the showrunner. You know, if editing has a cut of an episode, it needs to get approved by the showrunner. So they're the top of the of the power <laughs> pyramid, I would say. And they kind of everyone's kind of pitching to them, and that is in the writers' room too, where all the writers are pitching to the showrunner and being like, "What do you think of this joke?" And even if every writer loves a joke and the showrunner is like, "Ah, I don't like it," then it might not get it because oh, really? they're kind of in charge. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, so they kind of pick the schedule too, to your point of what you're working on for that day. The day before, a lot of times my old boss would say, okay, let's do a state of the union and kind of, we would end the day being like, okay, what are we doing tomorrow? And, you know, lay out, we need to outline this episode. We need to do a revision on this one. Cause you're kind of juggling. 
you're working on three, four different episodes at a time because you're also shooting one down on stage hmm. that you're working on. And so it's all, you know, and as far as the like genesis of each episode, that comes from someone being like, I had an episode idea. Here's one. And then you flush it out as a team. You know, they'll, they'll come with just the germ of it, just the, the nugget. And then you'll be like, okay, let's break that out into three acts and kind of fill in the holes we're missing and what doesn't work and what does work. And so do you like, are you just kind of like sort of throughout your day constantly coming up with jokes and like, do you have like a notebook you walk around with and just, Oh, that's a great, that's a good one. I got to yeah. write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> well, for when you're on a show and you like with jokes for the episode, you have plenty of opportunities to get them in because mm -hmm. we, for each episode we shoot, it would be, and this is uh, the kind of the multi-cam uh, procedure yeah. where on Monday we would have a table read and all the actors would come in, read it. And we, as the writers would be circling like a check mark. It was like, Oh, that was a good joke. I got a good laugh from everyone in the room or a circle of like, we gotta, we gotta fix that. That is lying flat. Um, and so then we do a rewrite Monday on that episode and then they put out the new script Monday night and the actors rehearse for it Tuesday morning. And then we do what's called a run through and we'll go down to stage where all our sets are, all our three walled sets. And they will kind of put it on like a, a walking play where they'll do this scene and then they'll walk to the next set and they'll do that scene. And the Tuesday one is just for writers and producers. And it's kind of nice because we can, a, we can do what we did on Monday of like, man, that's still not working. We didn't fix that joke. Like that still is a stinker. Or we can be like, oh, actually, we were kind of imagining you would be sarcastic in this reading. Or you would be that, you know, we can kind of give notes to the actors and help them try to sell it more. Oh, cool. Yeah. So then we do another rewrite Tuesday afternoon and evening. And they put that script out Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday, the actors rehearse with that new version and then network comes. And so depending what show it is, um, for me, you know, I've worked on Disney channel shows and then a Netflix show. So either Disney or Netflix would come and they would give notes and be like, do we really buy this moment? Or can we beat this joke or something like that? So then we do another rewrite Wednesday. Wow. Yeah. And put out a draft Wednesday. And then that is the shooting draft. And they would shoot with that um thursday and friday and then we started all over again on monday with the new episodes wow that was one actually was one thing i was curious about is if you as a writer if you ever got to meet the actors and you know have them yeah. sort of critique your work or your jokes or do they give suggestions you know yeah you definitely have a lot of interaction with the actors just because you're on set with them all the time and, and going to these run throughs and these table reads and eating lunch together all the time. Um, and then critiquing you can, it's weird. Cause you're not, you're never supposed to give a line reading, right? We're never supposed to be like, Oh, we thought we wanted you to say like, no, that's my tomato soup. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're not supposed to like say their line for them kind of etiquette wise. Delicate. Can, or what is it like? Is that just sort of, sort of a, that's a uh, professional uh, sort of etiquette. To yeah, like them. a courtesy of like, I'm not telling you how to act, mm -hmm. professional actor. I'm a, you know, pimply writer. writer. I'm a rat-faced writer. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't. I'm giving you, I'm, I'm setting you up for success, but. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it's always, you can, like, you know, it's always a very collaborative, but, uh, very uh, polite collaboration, I'd say, between writers and actors. And they'll, they'll never be like, this joke stinks. This is the best you guys could come up with. But they'd be like, hey, I was thinking, you know, they might pitch to us and be like, I was thinking maybe what if I came in backwards here, you know, and yeah. sometimes you have to be like, yeah, that's good. And sometimes you have to be like, you know, let's stick to it. Let's try this again <laughs> and sure. see if it yeah. works. Yeah. stuff that you can't really have an ego too as a writer because yeah, sometimes you get the laugh, sometimes your colleagues are going are gonna to say that really was terrible. Oh, and you never know sometimes. Like there have been things you can, I mean, you know a percentage of the time, but something you think is hilarious 
or something the whole room thinks is hilarious down on set it can just fall flat and you're like oof yikes and then that stinks because you can have callbacks to it for the next 22 pages oh. you're like <laughs> oh man if you didn't like that one you're not gonna like what's coming up <laughs> so is it a pretty uh cutthroat environment then you know how many bad joke how many times can you bomb before you're sh- <laughs> it's before interesting because it's I mean, right it's definitely the first my first couple times in a writer's room i was pretty intimidated of just you know and i started as a writer's assistant so i was working the keyboard and the keys for the script itself but my boss was you know, really nice and was saying like, Hey, Marty, Josh, the other writer's assistant, if you guys have the answer, like don't hold, you know, you can pitch Mm -hmm. if you've got it. Um, So we would pitch here and there. And at first I was really nervous too, but then you kind of see even all these great comedy writers, everyone bombs at some point, you know, everyone has a bad pitch. Everyone has a joke that's not fully thought out and it kind of peters. So I always, I always kind of say, I think writing is, half having really good pitches and half being able to recover from a bad one with another joke and like keeping the energy. Okay. And not having people kind of not sucking the air out of the room with your bad fart of a joke. What a mantra for life in general. Yeah. True. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Half having good pitches and half just picking your ass up off the ground. You you got to be able to carry on and and make a joke and kind of, and everyone, you kind of see it too. People have their go-to my my buddy Byron, if he has a bad pitch and it doesn't get anything, he goes, oh, okay, I guess you guys don't want good pitches in your script. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know, and everyone laughs at that instead of his terrible pitch. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I want to know, I mean, I just, again, I'm like loving all this because it's it's one of my many dream fantasies to be a comedy writer or whatnot. So you have to watch my Bob Ross uh, impersonation for Halloween on Instagram. I watched it. I follow you. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. What, do I have stuff, Marty? Maybe. What do you think? We got to get you out here ASAP. I got meetings <laughs> lined up. I got an agent waiting for you. I thought you were going to be it. the agent. Can you be my agent? You know, everyone. That's true. Uh, yeah, I could do that. I need to get a Bluetooth, but I could do it. I could be your agent. <laughs> <laughs> all right For so you sure. the okay we'll, we'll we'll catch up about that offline marty yeah right? yeah let's put a pin in that circle back later yeah circle back we need to double click on it later um <laughs> <laughs> so all right so you've written for a bunch of these shows i thought there was some rumor going around that you had written for good luck charlie or hey jesse or something like that but no i never wrote for those they were on the same lot as me oh yeah um but you were they kind of all those Disney shows they they rent similar spaces so I would you know their stage was next to our stage but I never actually worked for them. Okay, so what's uh I, so has COVID has really kind of hit the industry really? Yeah. Hard, right. What are you doing now? I, I mean I know what you're doing now because I'm watching your videos, but <laughs> what else is going on? <laughs> um. Yeah. No. It was when this hits everything shut down production shut down because just so many people yeah you know involved in everything between wardrobe and special effects and grip and lighting and all you know any production takes a bare minimum of people that the whole town kind of came to a a screeching halt but um they've started shooting stuff again which is good they're starting to do you know people are go in and a couple friends of mine who are on shows where they go in, they have to get tested every morning mm-hmm. and they then have to wear a face mask and a face shield. One of those oh, yeah. clear plastic ones. Yep. So they're trying to kind of adapt um, to it. But from a writing standpoint, it's kind of people were like, okay, well we can't really shoot anything at the time, but we can still try to develop because as a writer, you're kind of, caught in between two worlds there are two either you're on a show staffed on a show and you're doing what i was saying of your five days a week you're shooting you're working on those episodes those scripts and and doing that and when you're not on a show you're trying to develop and you're trying to come up with show ideas and pitches and take it to a production company or a network and be like hey here's this idea do you guys want to make it and kind of sell that and get a new show going so it's weird. It's, it's a weird business because it's all long-term freelance, kind of. Mm. Like when you're on a show, 
a season will probably last eight months, nine months. Um, and then you hope contract. It, it's like your contract is eight or nine months. Yeah. And you hope it, right. Right. If you come back for another season, then that's another eight or nine months. If you come back for another season, another eight or nine months. But the reality is no show lasts forever, you know, unless you're on the Simpsons forever. <laughs> yeah. Right. How could, have you tried to get on there? <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been calling them. They haven't returned my calls yet, but <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. I think the safe for at home movies. Come on. I know. I got to send Well, once they hear this, Absolutely. you know, then they'll, they'll be yeah. calling me. You're right. <laughs> We're going to push this out to them for sure. Um, but yeah, so you kind of have to be always looking for the next one and, and moving and shaking a little bit. And, but are you doing that yourself or is someone helping you do that? Uh, yes and no. So you have representation between a, a manager or an agent. Um, which, so I don't have a manager, I have an agent. Um, and he will kind of, you know, be like, Hey, there's this opportunity, there's this, but it goes the other way too, where I'll go to him and be like, Hey, I heard from my buddy, Devin, who heard from his buddy blank that this show is trying to staff, like, can we try to get in there? And the truth of the matter is there are so many people, it's such a competitive business and so many people trying to write and get on these shows that often it's, who you know you know as they say well i know you okay so you know me here we go go. (laughs) i just thought as a matter of fact if you want another point of reference for my ability if you recall back in the mid early to mid 2000s when you were a student yes uh, there was this there was this uh large outdoor dance i believe and i believe that i rapped to yes. Rob Bass, it takes two. That's right. So if, you, do you remember, if you recall this, there's I another think, reference point. Yeah, I think if you recall, I was the one that was like, we got to get you out there. We got to yeah, yeah, come on, right. yeah, we got to okay, get yeah. you going. I was already your agent back then. <laughs> and in fact, I did the first verse and I was like, oh, okay. Like people are like, yeah, all right, that's great. And then I, like, handed, I think I handed you the mic and then you were like, but I think there's a second verse. Yeah, right. I've always pushed you. You know, it's tough love with me. I'm like, I think we can get more out of you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, of course. You no, know, interesting. So, all right. So then now you're, are you working on a show now or are you looking for a show? Yeah. So right now I'm, I'm looking for it, which is um, pretty normal. It was interesting because that, all that development stuff is work from home. Yeah. Anyways, you know, where you're kind of at your desk at home trying to come up with ideas, trying to network and look for this and look for that. So I've been doing it for years off and on, you know, the between when I when I wasn't on a season or I wasn't on a show, it was pretty normal to me doing the work from home. And then with the COVID, everyone was like, oh, we have to work from home. And I was like, oh, I, I know this is easy. Like, this is kind of standard. Um, so, yeah, right now, uh, looking for the next show and kind of it's all just kind of keeping in touch with people you worked with and seeing what they're doing and having uh dangling carrots here and there of like, okay, that could go. That's, you know, my boss, my old boss has a show that could potentially go that he would probably bring me on if his show goes. Um, I worked with these people and they're developing with TBS. Like that's, you know, that could be something. So just kind of keeping tabs on all things that could end up going yeah but still so they're all in the comedy genre right yeah yeah i don't really all my samples and everything are pretty heavily comedy (laughs) (laughs) i don't really dive into the hard-hitting dramas that much but but uh not yet not yet of course well but i mean maybe you want to get get into that at some point but it seems I don't know. It seems to me the, the comedy route is, it just must seem so fun. And yeah. like you're living the dream, man. Like, how, did you ever think this is what you'd be doing with your life? No, not really. I, um, it was pretty, I was pretty lucky when I first got staffed to my old boss was, so I was a PA for a while, production assistant. And you just kind of, you're a gopher and you're going, you're getting lunch every day. Um, you're getting coffees, you're running around. And then I knew I wanted to write. So I would go when I got, you know, punch my clock for PA, 
duties, I would, I would run over to the writer's assistant and script coordinator who are kind of the support staff for the writer's room. And I, and I would ask them, I'd say, Hey, do you guys mind if I shadow you? Um, you know, while you do your thing, just cause like this feels helpful if I know how to do this and the opportunity comes and they're like, Oh, we'll teach you. Absolutely. And so they kind of like mentored me and, and got me, you know, how to work final draft, the script writing software, how to proof, how to do an email distro for everyone that's involved. Like every script that goes out needs to go to over our 150 people usually that are working on the show. Um, and that would, that did end up being helpful because the script coordinator left halfway through this one season of a show. And he, his first thing he said to me was, Hey, I'm leaving. I haven't told anyone else. And I was like, Oh, you, you should, I'm not, I'm a PA. Like I don't need to know this at all. <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm going to suggest that you get bumped up to writer assistant. Mm. And that worked out. And then I got in there and then, um, yeah, I was just really lucky. Like I said, my boss at the time was very open to the writer assistant and script coordinator pitching. So I did that a bunch. And then he staffed me. He called me in between seasons of the show and was like, Hey, next season, I'm going to bump you up to writer uh, if you want. And I was like, yeah, that would be great. But again, I didn't picture it. I was like, oh, I don't know if that'll ever happen or, you know, who knows how long it would take. And um, yeah, so it's, it's fun. And it's great. I, I really do enjoy it. It's, it's fun. I mean, see, it seems like you, the first piece, I was, I was like, I was going to ask you, you know, what's you're living the dream. You're living your dream. What, what is your advice for getting there? One of the ways, which it sounded like is the, I mean, you said you're lucky, but you sort of created your own luck, right? By, you know, sort of. I like that. Out, that sounds right? better. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, okay. Maybe I could give the other, the other points of advice for living your, what are the, but any other, <laughs> any other thoughts on getting to where you need to be? <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's definitely, well, one, some advice I got when I was first starting that I always thought was really, really helpful was just being vocal about what you want to do. And it's weird because, you know, when you're first starting out, when I was 22 and first moved out here, I was like, I'm not, I'm not saying I want to be a writer because I'm not even close. That's so embarrassing of like having this lofty expectation of myself. And then you have to kind of get over that and be like, well, no, if you want to be a writer, you got to say you want to be a writer. Cause no one can help you if they don't know what you want to do. Got to believe in yourself. You got to believe, believe in, in yourself. yourself. Okay. That, there's another one. Number one, believe <laughs> in yourself. Bullet point one. Wait, I thought one was create your own luck. You're right. Number three, <laughs> get your bullet points in order. Know your bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> um, but number I think four. that was number four. Um, just be, be nice to everyone. That's don't a general, general platitude, but just be nice to everyone because you never know who's going to help you. So true. Um, and I mean, well, you've seen that you've seemed to have had that. That's been sort of part of your persona for as long as I've known you, right? Since <clears> the, the olden days, the ghoul the days. days, the kindness of the young Marty. And I really, I'm going to take credit for really setting you on this path by helping you uh, get into Tufts. And Seriously. Get, and now I was going to, I, I, I dug up the, your old counselor recommendation that I wrote. For you. Nice. Do you want to hear a little bit of it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Hold on a second. Let me see. This will be, a, I hope it's good. If it's good. Yes. If no, Dude, <laughs> if it's, it's a scathing review. Where do you see, where do you see the yarn I spin? Oh, I can't wait. Unbelievable. All right, I'm going to give you the first paragraph and the last paragraph. All the rest, all the, the rest of it is, you know, you will need to go through. All right. That. Right. That's the okay, meat and potatoes. You, you may cry. I'm just going to put that out there. Ooh, okay. okay. I'm emotionally prepared. Okay, here we go. First paragraph. Charming, spirited, well-adjusted, and utterly committed to his community. First of all, that's a hell of a start, Marty, isn't it? Really, really strong. <laughs> Marty Donovan. I'm already crying. <laughs> Hold on. Now, this even gets better. Marty Donovan is arguably the single most influential student at blank, blank high school, Gould Academy. The single most influential student, I wrote. Wow. A given week, it's not unusual for Marty to lead a class discussion on the flying tigers of World War II. I don't know why I put that in there. Oh, I did a paper on them for oh, you history, U.S. history. Damn, I did my research. 
Nice. Uh, organize a school dance, which I was part of. Mentor yep. a younger peer going through a difficult situation. Challenge school policy on our community council. Expound on the virtues of his alma mater while giving a tour to a prospective family. Score a goal or more in a boys lacrosse game. Don the mascots outfit for the girls lacrosse game and write all about it is weekly online blog. How about that? That's right. The blog. I forgot about the, the glog, the ghoul. Yeah. The, the glog. That's the first paragraph, man. Right off the coming strong, right out the gate. That is wow. I there, you couldn't have had a more flattering first paragraph. That is, I'm very honored. I noticed though that you're not, you're not shedding any tears yet. I'm crying on the inside. Well, I'm holding it for the, I think you're really, the conclusion is really where it's going to hit. That's where we yeah, really, we talk on the heartstrings. I, I imagine. Let's see. Hold on. Let me see here. Um, last paragraph. Okay. Oh, well, this is interesting because I wrote, as for his future, Marty will be the first to tell you he hasn't a clue what he wants to do with his life. That is tracks. That, that tracks. <laughs> Now, I got it wrong on this next bit because I said I could easily imagine him running for political office as doing the color commentary for NBC Sports. Oh, okay. Or, or working for the Peace Corps or teaching or coaching at a high school. He even told me once he would like my job. Damn it, dude. You really have uh, outperformed. Not do it. You, you didn't hit the college counselor role. Well, you know, I still got a couple of years. I could, you know, <laughs> do a career shift. It would be your empathetic personality that would guide you on that path yeah i stand by that i think i would enjoy that uh let's see what else uh blah, blah, blah. on your campus marty will surely take up where he left off here he'll be one of the he'll be the one leading the cheers at the basketball game or challenging the administration on school policy or volunteering to run a charity event or writing a weekly column for the student newspaper etc trust me when i say you want marty donovan representing your school the sky oh is God. the limit for this young man and and I am honored to give him my highest recommendation. There you go, Marty. That was it. Wow. Now. Chills. I have chills. But Thank no you. That is, that is flattering. No I, all I wanted was a tear. I got nothing. <laughs> this is good radio, right? The physical bit is perfect for podcasts. Perfect for podcasting. Marty is now reaching into his water glass and dipping his finger in for <laughs> fake tears. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, um, let's see. Anything else? What else do you want to talk about? Anything else as we wrap it up? Um, I mean, I'm still recovering from that letter. Of <laughs> I, that was, I'm floored. That was so flattering. What an ego boost for Friday. This is going to be the best weekend of my life. That's proof point number three for why I should be a Hollywood writer. That's right. We got to get you out here. See, this whole podcast was just a ruse to get you to learn about why I should be joining you in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is the long con. <laughs> exactly. um, how, so how long have you been doing the podcast, if you don't mind? Uh, I started about a year, a, a year ago. Um, it was right around my birthday. And, you know, I'd spent like the previous couple of years – I was I'm a big podcast consumer, so I used to oh, like, they're great. listen to a lot. And I remember just doing – I used to do a lot of travel – um, mm -hmm. before COVID for my, for my job. And so I'd be on planes listening to podcasts, thinking to myself, man, I, re I really want to do this. Like, I just feel like, I feel like I have to do this. I have yeah. to do a podcast. And so I finally just one day, uh, just after, uh, I think my birthday, I was like, I'm going to, I think I actually, Adrian said, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, I want a microphone for my iPhone to do podcasts. And so yes. like, I had to do it when she got me the gift. Yeah. I kind of, you know, I held myself accountable. And so I just said, I want to do it just to see, I, you know, I have no expectations. I have, I, I, I don't know where it will go or what will happen, but I just have always wanted to do it because I feel like it would be super fun and um, could get some cool people on, tell some stories. I feel like also so many podcasts have, you know, very famous people. Not that you're not famous, Marty, in your own right. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I was swim kid in an episode of kicking it. on Disney <laughs> XD. That's right. I have, I have that, uh, I have that v VHS tape. Yeah, right. <laughs> Recorded. <laughs> but I just thought there like, there's so many cool, awesome people who are just everyday folks who have great stories and it'd be awesome yeah. to have them tell their story. So yeah, man, I just, I'd love doing it. 
Well, and, and you get to do the, you're an entertainer, you know, it's, it's entertainment. You get I to did. riff feel, and get this to. This is really, th this show has really been sort of what I had envisioned, which is, you know, I think a lot of my shows, uh, I'm, I'm a little too serious. I want to be lighter, you know? Like, <laughs> <I> wanna... <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, it's tough. I mean, you know, I think it's hard to force that too. You know, you yeah, gotta, you gotta have the, we got good chemistry is what I'm saying. Me I, and you. I'm telling you, man, if you want a, a weekly Bob Ross impersonation series, I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, right. You'll be Bob Ross and I'll be, I'll be the painting. I'll play the <laughs> part of the painting. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super, it's super fun. I love doing it. And you know. Oh, it's great. It's awesome. What a cool like way to kind of, reach a, a large number of people too you know of just like you get to talk with everyone every week of hey here's me talking with blank and you know everyone says oh kirk i really like that episode or like this yeah, it's cool it's i need to do more i mean like i've been sort of on a one i mean because i i mean i have a job like i you know, yeah right. a company so i got a lot of <laughs> shit going on um so this is really just sort of like a passion project i you know i'd like to do one every couple weeks but i yeah i get a i'm like, like a one a month clip right now so it'd be great to that, you. oh you're, you're fact, doing it you know this is be interesting i'm trying i'm i i think this will happen but i want to have uh two I want to have two uh, episodes back to back, one with uh, former Olympian Troy Murphy and the other with Donnie Pelletier. Nice. <laughs> I think you should really challenge Troy and do it in the same episode. That would be, that would be he has cool, to right? switch like back, back and, and forth. forth. And yeah. like Mike catches it in a different space. Yeah, right. That's like old radio where they would have one person doing five different voices <laughs> at the same time. I think Troy can do it. He's a talented guy. He is a talented guy. I feel like I, a lot of my, several of my podcasts have been Gould centric. You know, I, I interviewed uh, yeah. Carol Lynn, if you remember her. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, she, cause she's like this badass ultra athlete, um, Iron Man triathlete. That's, expected she was pretty yeah. badass at gould too i feel like yeah <laughs> continued on now she's even more badass and you can you can't even fathom how badass she is yeah um so yeah so that's yeah that's pretty cool it's fun but it's nowhere near the safer at home movies uh, <laughs> quality so uh, what's what's next for that or, or is or is that under wraps you 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 can't is it sort of under the under the hood until the actual unveiling? You know, it, it's funny because people always ask, so like, what's next? What's next? And I answer it in two parts where I go, well, A, do you really want to know? Like, isn't it more fun <laughs> when it's a surprise and you're like, oh I my God, cry like the kid. Yeah. And B, I couldn't even tell you because I don't know yet. Like, <laughs> I, you know, we really, we shoot from the hip and we go, all right, we're doing that one. And then we get out there and start shooting. Love but it. we've been, we've been talking about a couple ones uh, yesterday and today. That are that could be winners. I think could be good. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Can't yeah. wait. Awesome. Any uh, anything else? I mean, like, so what's what's long term goals? Like, what do you what do you want to do? Any idea yet? I knew that you know, in your counseling. Much your like counseling, your uh, letter of <laughs> rec, Marty Marty Donovan has no idea what he wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Bob. That still stands. No, I mean, I think I'm enjoying being out here. Um, writing is really fun uh, and hopefully doing some more of that getting my own show going at some point down the road is like nice. the, the big dream um, but yeah just enjoying it enjoying it right now enjoying the ride enjoying the ride I love it this is that's the best advice ever that's bullet point number five and that's we it brought it that's home it. we wrapped it, it all up we brought it home perfect alright brother good to chat alright good to see you big D too, bud. Take care. You too. All right. Well, that was Marty Donovan. Hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation as much as I did. I could talk to Marty all day. I just thought uh, just great to hear his creativity, his wit, and his humor. Just really lifts me up. Hope it did for you as well. So, okay. Creature feature for this week's episode. This is an animal that is exceptionally well-suited to life in northern climates, especially in the mountains and the forests 
of Maine, where there is lots of snow and cold weather. Can you guess what the animal is? That is correct. If you guessed it was a moose, then you would be correct. So let's talk a little bit about the moose. Um, First thing to know is that Native Americans actually saw the moose as a symbol of endurance and survival. Very fitting, I would say, being in such a harsh climate, especially in winter in uh, northern New England. And the name moose is actually of the Algonquin language. It actually means eater of twigs. So, uh, yeah, they're completely plant-based. They eat up to 73 pounds of plants a day in the summer. Could you imagine? Unbelievable. Now, if you ever thought of how big a moose can get... Take a guess at how tall an average moose is. What would you say? Um, It is actually around 8 feet tall for the average moose, and they could be up to 10 feet tall, which is unbelievable. That's the height of a basketball hoop. can jump up and try to dunk on its head, although it would probably knock you right back down. Um, So they also average around 800 pounds, and their antlers can be 6 feet across. Now, a baby moose can outrun a human by the time it is five days old. You heard that right, five days old. So don't piss off a baby moose, it'll come right at you. Um, Let's see, moose are also expert swimmers. I bet a lot of you knew that, but they can actually dive to 20 feet underwater uh, and can hold their breath for up to like 30 seconds. And so um, they're pretty incredible animals. And the last thing I read, which was really interesting, is that they can kick any direction with their feet. So if you get close to a moose and you really get it frustrated, uh, watch out for those front hooves because they're going to come at you. So um, so actually, I've had a couple of uh, moose sightings, more than a couple, I would say, up here in, in my time in Maine. I'd say the most memorable was um, I was with some friends vacationing around Memorial Day up near Rangeley, Maine, and we had all just decided, it was getting close to dusk, and we had all just decided uh, to go on a a moose watch. We were like, let's just drive around and see if we can find a moose. We were driving around, driving around, couldn't find anything. We were just about to give up, and it was getting dark when, lo and behold, across the road sauntered a mother moose. Now, this was a a large moose, and she walked across the road. I knew it was a mother because immediately following her was the cutest, most adorable baby moose, probably older than five days old, so it could really chase you down and whoop your butt. Um, But it was a really special sight to see uh, with with the family and some friends. And uh, so if you ever get a chance to get up here into northern New England, go on a moose watch and Hope you can find one for yourself. So actually, if you like the show today or any of the shows on Delarius, we'd love for you to hit that subscribe button wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Maybe give us a rating, drop us a comment, share on uh, your social uh, posts and pages, and we would greatly appreciate it. When I, when I, why am I saying we? When I say we, I mean I. So I would greatly appreciate it if you shared, if you shared some of the episodes out or gave us a shout out. So hope you enjoyed this episode with Marty Donovan, uh, the creature feature. And we'll catch you next time on Delarious.